0: ESPN 1000.
1: Chicago's home for sports. Chicago's home for sports on Twitter. At ESPN 1000. The trade deadline in Major League Baseball came and went and didn't disappoint this year. Ten players who were all-stars this year were traded crazy joey gallo nelson cruz kyle gibson adam frazier eduardo escobar kyle schwarber max scherzer craig kimbrell trey turner chris bryant the most players to make the all-star game and change teams in the same season
2: 32 trades 80 players in the last 24
1: hours yeah unbelievable um it was so crazy and um like i said i i I never. They three hours never went so fast. I was sitting on my couch from eleven thirty to like three fifteen, so I know it's more than three hours. But um, yeah, it just flew by. I said, oh, it just keeps going because you couldn't. They they'd go to commercial, and all of a sudden, you would see on your Twitter or something, oh, there's another yeah. rumor. Right. Oh, somebody else got traded. Oh, this yeah. happened.
2: I and, didn't stick on the commercials. I kept flipping yeah. around to see. Yeah. Did Rickon do enough? As a Sox fan, I know some people said you know felt like there was more to do.
1: Yeah, was there? Yeah, I he got he got um, pitchers. Uh, to has got to be better than obviously he was yesterday. Um, and um, and then they went and got another guy, so they got two pitchers to help the bullpen. They got a second baseman. That's what they needed. They figured some people said they need another catcher, but Grandal's going to be coming back. Okay. So love him or hate him. And I'm not a big Randall fan,
2: but he had a few weeks there. Yeah. You're paying him like he should have a few months there, but he's had a few weeks. Yeah,
1: There's no doubt about it. And Tapera, I mean, Tapera leaves the Cubs and he comes to the white Sox. He was extremely happy.
3: I'm excited. You know, I think once you get older and play this game for a long time and get towards, uh, you know, a longer career, you, you really want to win and, uh, coming here, you know, obviously to a great team in first place and a great chance to, you know, make the playoffs and make a run. Uh, You know that's what I want to be a part of, so I'm super excited.
1: Yeah, and everyone
2: loves that guy. You know, everyone in that Cubs clubhouse loves him, so he's going to fit right in with a a very tight knit Sox team. Yeah,
1: he should. Yeah, with a very
2: and and he didn't have to move, and everyone knows what a pain in the rear end is to move. I don't care. You know, so he gets to stick around. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to. But if they ever put a shovel into the ground in my new house, uh, I'm get ready to. <laughs> so, and and that'll be uh, cleaning out a house that you've had for 26 years. Oh, yeah, good that's lord, not going to yeah. be easy.
2: No one looks forward to
1: that. Anybody wants old media guys, I get a call grabber. Yeah,
2: uh, yeah, they're on eBay already, and you know what
1: you have. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. A lot of people want to talk about the uh, Cubs deal. A lot of people want to talk about um, the White Sox. Did they get enough? If you're a White Sox fan, did the White Sox get enough? Um, Jeff Passan, Buster Olney on the Baseball Tonight trade special yesterday talking about all the moves the Cubs made and the overhaul of talent. Two hours ago, guys, I said that this has
4: the chance to be a completely formative moment for the Chicago Cubs' future. And Jed Hoyer, over those last two hours, the president of baseball operations, has executed on that. He's gotten Nick Madrigal from the White Sox. He's gotten Pete Crow Armstrong, the young prospect outfielder from the New York Mets. But when you look at the amount of talent that the Chicago Cubs are compiling
3: through this unburdening of themselves from these players, it's quite impressive. Yeah, three-fourths of the Chicago Cubs infield are no longer members of the Chicago Cubs. The third baseman, the shortstop, and the first baseman are all gone. All right, so let's positive spin it for the Cubs, the ability to change the entire culture, look of the organization, with the idea you could actually, at the offseason, bring any of them back if you wanted to. Well, compare it to what the Rockies have done in
4: terms of handling Nolan Arnato and Trevor Story. That's not good. <laughs> right, exactly. And the Cubs, on the other hand, got value out of these guys before they walk out the door as free agents. And it was pretty clear in recent years it became hard for this group of players to be the 2016 champions, who after that were always perceived to have underachieved. And I feel like they really needed to change a culture there and they're gonna get
1: one. See, that's what a lot of the baseball quote experts feel. And a lot of there were Cub fans too. They did not they did not get to where they needed to be. And you you brought it up earlier, Brian, but you know, we all talked about it when the Bears won the Super Bowl in eighty five and then they go fourteen and two the next year and lose in the playoffs to Washington. It's like they were we always thought they'd get there again and didn't. And um, you know, Theo's Theo's phrase was sustained success, and And, and they did make the playoffs, right? right? Yeah, Yeah, right. They did make the playoffs five or six years, but they didn't take that next step and get the second one. And again, we know it's not easy. Okay, what is it in the American League? No one's repeated since the Yankees in '99 and 2000. I mean, it's crazy.
2: I would argue it's easier to win back-to-back Super Bowls certainly than it is to win a World Series title, just because of the injuries and the duration of the season and number of games. Yeah, yeah. The number of games
1: you play, the number of games you play in the playoffs to get to the big games, um, yeah, it's more than just one. Um So yeah, there's no doubt about it. And it's it's not an easy thing. We know that, but when you have that talent and you think you're going to be able to get there again, and you get to the playoffs, you know that's that's a nice thing. They got to the playoffs numerous times afterwards and were unable just to get there. Yeah. No, yeah. Let's Tom, go. Uh,
2: Tom Nichols tweeted at us: uh, chw Tom um selling off only makes sense if you get some difference making prospects i'm not sure that they did there they did that and that's the thing i mean all you can do is go like you said on the experts the people who follow the stuff the pipeline guys are rate you know prospects in each organization and at least at least these deals they were top 20 prospects within the organization or major league ready players like you know madrigal and Was fourth overall pick in the Darvish deal. I mean, there were four teenagers who I am going to bet. I am going to bet Anthony Rizzo gets four years at one hundred million before we see any of those four guys in the Darvish deal wearing a (laughs) Cubs uniform again. Yeah, I mean, just so
1: people know, the from the Giants they got their number nine prospect outfielder Alexander Canario. Uh, From the Mets they got their number five prospect Pete Crow Armstrong. Um, Someone asked, How are they going to fit that on his uniform? I have no idea how they're going (laughs) to fit Crow Armstrong on the uniform. Hyphenated. Um, Yeah. Uh, And then uh, from the Yankees, they got their ninth. Uh, overall prospect, a right-handed pitcher, Alexander Vizcaino, and also an outfielder who's number 12 in their system, Kevin Alcantara or Alcantara and 19. Yeah. So you, you did get some guys who at least were high on the list of other teams right. in their prospect list, which is what you, you know, the only thing you can do. And you have to hope that your scouts have told you these are guys, they have a possibility if not to make it can be moved to get other players as you go forward. Let's go out to the phones. We go to Beverly and what's up, Beverly?
5: Hi, guys. Um, just a couple comments uh, regarding your um, survey on uh, who's at fault for what yeah. as far as percentages. Um, I'm not going with the players 100%. I'm going with the players and the um, entire organization, mainly Ricketts. Um, I think if they would have signed Castellanos and kept, um, um, what's his name? Oh, now I'm doing a blank. Our picture that we sent to um, oh, Darvish? Uh, Darvish. Darvish, yeah. I apologize. Yeah. Darvish. Okay. Yeah. They yeah. Would we have do kept this all the time. Yeah. This team would have looked like a totally different team. And I think the downfall for the Cubs organization was the marquee network. That took too much money from them. And um, with the pandemic, it just it just didn't work. But I'm not going to blame the players. I know they had the 11-game swoon, I get it. And they're responsible for that and the droughts that they had on and off the other years. But I don't think that uh, the um, organization made the best moves for them either. Well, so. all of the
2: above was an option. It sounds like, Beverly, you're going, maybe everyone gets a little share of the blame, but not the players the least share of the blame?
5: No, I, I again, you know, I'm, I'm a diehard Cub fan, and I've watched I don't even know how many years now. Um, but um, the last, it, every year it was. It was kind of, oh, God, the handwriting on the wall where mm-hmm. they threw these long droughts of not hitting, and you get people on base, and nobody could push them in. Amen. And yeah. yeah it, I mean, I blame the players for that, but um, I thought Cassiano put a real spark in the team for he a while there.
2: Yeah, um, absolutely did.
5: I just would have liked to seen where it would have gone if they would have um, signed him and then um, kept Darvish, because that's... To me, that would have been um, a whole different ball game, so to speak. But, yeah, no, I, I guess I want to give equal share of uh, fault all the way around. But, you know, I don't think that – I hope that they would get them all back as far as the three big ones, but I doubt that Javi and KB will be back. Yeah. But, man, I'm really hoping and praying that Rizzo comes back because he tr- – Truly is the heart and soul of the Cubs and Chicago. A lot of Cub fans are with you, Beverly. Yeah, Thanks. Beverly,
1: appreciate the call. I, 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 she brought up great points. If if they would have kept, you know, signed Castellanos, don't make the uh, Darvish deal, you would not, and it's not only Darvish, and I don't. People say Victor Caratini was just a backup catcher. He well, was, but yeah, name yeah. one of the backup catchers this year. I mean, exactly. they're they're all over the place. They have had like five or six guys. It seems like as backup catchers. And if they would have kept those two, it would have also shown the team that they're they interested. Exactly, yeah. they're interested in winning, and that would have been interesting. I think.
2: Well, I, I, I'm, hey, look, I I was really ticked off that they didn't sign Casiano. to yeah. keep him around. I mean, I pay to see that guy play every day. That's sure. the type of player he is. Um, but the idea that, you know, Theo jumped ship, saw this coming. The Darvish deal, you know, that told you all the handwriting was on the wall, like Beverly said. Now, you know, I think Jesse's, one of his most salient points was that everyone's blamed. Joe Mann was, everyone got complacent. Right. And, and even Theo and Jed at the time talked about how the culture's got to change and the hitting's got to change. And so let's fire another hitting coach, batting coach. And yet they didn't, they weren't proactive, you know, they sat thinking this core was going to get back to putting up the numbers that they put up to win a World Series. So I'm with Jesse that, you know, everyone got a little too comfortable, including the front office and when Darvish deal was done, I thought, okay, that they're not committed to winning anything this year, and then May happened and it kind of forced their hands to at least talk about adding, right? Sure.
1: Yeah, you and, had you had no choice; you had to do that yeah. at that point. When you're still there, you're tied with Milwaukee, and things are going well. And Milwaukee to Milwaukee has made great moves too. I mean, oh, yeah. the Brewers have made some great moves. Their pitchers have all stepped up and played very well. Let's go on out to Barrington and Ken. Ken, you're on ESPN 1000. What's going on?
6: Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. Um, really glad to hear you guys like Row. I, I mean, uh, I, I'm not a Sox fan, so I didn't really know anything about the guy, but I was really tired of the Cubs' non-contact, especially with runners in scoring position. It was just so maddening to see them load the bases with one or nobody out and not score or only score one run. It was just really aggravating. Um, but what I wanted to ask you was about Patrick Wisdom, uh do you think the front office views him as the third baseman of the future or the first baseman of the future or is he just a guy? Thanks a lot.
1: Okay, we appreciate it. Ah. He's not a young guy. No, he's not. He's not um, a young guy. Um right now he's hitting 269. He has yeah. 16 homers, 29 RBIs. Um Yeah.
2: yeah. He, he's he's somewhere between just a guy and he, I don't a guy and maybe a guy you can count on for a while. Yeah. But he's not third baseman of the future. I mean, you know, he's, or first baseman.
1: Yeah, 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 I know he played first too.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, he's not a guy you build around, right? I no. mean, he's not Ian Happ, certainly. It um, feels very
4: like David Bodie. Yeah, with that with exactly. is he going to be around for a couple of years? Sure, maybe sure, yeah, he may have but. bought himself a couple of years, but not going to yeah. be a centerpiece or yeah. anything. Yeah. And, no. and
1: just and, and so Ken knows here. I gave some of the magical numbers earlier, but his last twenty games before he got hurt, he was his uh, slash line three sixty five, four twenty on base, and a five sixty eight slug with two homers, two triples, and five doubles. And what I didn't give was with two strikes, he hit two eighty four. Yep, with two outs, he had three oh four, and with two on and runners in scoring position um he had 315 so you know he is a guy that puts the bat in the ball um you know uh, he he he's a, he's a nice he's a nice player he's a nice ball player and um you know, I don't think he's one of those guys that's going to go into a permanent slump. He's a guy that hits the no, ball. No, and
2: look, for a team that left on base, it yeah. always seems to be 8, 9, 10, 12.
1: Constant, right.
2: I mean, you're like you said, with two guys on, yeah. this guy's going to deliver more often than not or, or often enough. Yeah. Um, You need guys like that. But, you know, his exit velocity of 104, I think, is his best. Right. Which is, you know, nothing in this day and age, no. right? He's no. just not that guy. And no. he needs to walk more. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's funny because when he first got
1: drafted, I heard people say, "Well, he may never develop into a power guy." I'm saying, "Who cares? Yeah, if no. he gets on base, hits three hundred, gets on base, and you know, and a four hundred rate, I don't care if he ever hits a homer. That's what your other guys are supposed to do.
2: You can find those guys. I mean, thirty home run guys are not you know that difficult to find anymore. Right? No. They used to be the standard, and now it's. You know, if the guy's not hitting 20 home runs, what's he doing in your lineup?
1: Yeah, that's the way it, well, that's the way it plays out. 3123323776. A lot of people jumped down want to get to them. We come back after this on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. This is ESPN
0: 1000. So the White
1: Sox uh, made their deals. They hit uh, Craig Kimbrell, who got to the uh, ballpark during the game yesterday. And then Ryan Tapera, also Cesar Hernandez, who got to uh second base for the White Sox and hit second. Got a couple hits. He laid down a really nice bunt um, that was trying to bunt for a hit. And uh, he got on base because the Indians, boy. The Indians looked like a grade school team for a oh, while there.
6: One inning.
1: Oh. oh my god! Yeah, defensively in the eighth, eighth? inning, it was crazy. Oh. They were going to bunt with semi Zavala, and there was a, a guy on first. Then there was a, a wild pitcher, a pass ball, and then the ball went into the outfield. It's like, oh my lord! There's mm-hmm. no reason to bunt. So they actually sw- they actually took Zavala away uh, as a hitter with with a 0 count and put Zach Collins up. Lefty against righty, and Zach Collins stood there, took two pitches, and walked. And um, it was interesting on the post game because Zavala has been struggling at the bat, which they knew he was going to. Um, the people were saying, "Well, it's got to be tough to pinch hit." And Gordon Beckham had a funny line. He goes, "Yeah, he goes, you you appear to be upset." And then when you walk past the manager, you say, "Thanks a lot," because <laughs> you weren't hitting. You weren't hitting it this way. You weren't going to strike out again. Uh, but Rick Hahn did say, and we'll get right to the calls, 312-332-3776. Rick Hahn did say yesterday that uh, the team actually prioritized winning now over winning in the future.
3: Partying with Nick Madrigal is not easy. Parting with Cody Hoyer is not easy. Jed will tell you if he hasn't told you already how much we fought on that. In the end, those were both key pieces from the Cubs' perspective in order to get the deal done. And we understood going into this process that the only way we were going to secure especially Kimbrell, was by having the the best offer. In the end, that was the cost. As I discussed both with Nick and Cody during uh, what I'm sure they both felt were surprising phone calls and that I didn't necessarily anticipate making this morning, we made a conscious decision to prioritize today over the distant future. Obviously, both Cesar and And Craig are potentially under team control for next year, so we don't view this as a one-and-done situation with either player. But there was always going to come a point in the course of this rebuild process, as we had talked about from the start, when we had the opportunity to win. And we had to respect those opportunities, and we had to do everything in our power as a front office to maximize those opportunities. And it wasn't going to be easy. We've had to move players in the past that were one when we were at the 180 degree opposite point of this rebuild, that it wasn't easy to move established guys, guys you had long-term relationships with, but it was necessary to move the process forward. Today was sort of the diametric opposite of those deals we made back at the winter of 2016, moving players that we had different types of long-term relationships with back to with drafting them or acquiring them as kids. Uh, but it was essential for us, we feel, to put us in the best position to take the most important and final step in this process.
1: So they, it's it's this year. They want to win right hey, now, and that's mean, a good
3: thing.
2: I mean, I love hearing that. Yeah. It's the only championship you can win. I know you and I right. had a little bit of disagreement earlier in the yeah. season, but it was earlier in the season. Right. But now here you are, squarely in the middle with the, the largest lead in, in any division, you're in the driver's seat. What can you do to make this team better to be a good playoff team, a, a team that can make some real headway in the in the postseason? So God bless him for doing it. It, it it's like when the Cubs gave up Glaber Torres for Chapman, right? Right. Right. I mean, I wanted to give up Schwarber. I didn't want to give up the future. You know, no. I mean, Torres wasn't even here, but I got you know a lot of pushback on that. And people still say you wouldn't have won a World Series without Schwarber. I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you wouldn't. But you swing for the fences when you feel your team, head of schedule or not, is in a position to win something this year. I think you you do everyone a disservice in the clubhouse if you don't go for
1: it. Yeah, the only question now is how you work with two closers. Um, yep. how you, what Great do you question. do with Liam Hendricks and Craig Kimbrell, how it's going to work? I would not be surprised if today the White Sox need a closer and uh, after Liam Hendricks went yesterday, I would not be surprised if Kimbrough came in tonight. But that's up to Tony La Russa now. That's his. That's his job. The GM gives him the players. Now he's got to decide how to use the bullpen. So, and Rick
2: talked about that yesterday, yeah. right? He talked yeah. about how how you manage the the bolstered pitching staff you have, right? So you you've now got you had arguably the best rotation in baseball. Now you've got you. Had the best for, uh, bullpen right. probably, now yep. it's that much better.
1: Yeah, it so really now is. It's
2: up to Tony and his staff to figure out innings and, and 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 personalities and ego. I mean, how do you how do you placate both those guys?
1: You know? Yeah, you know the funny thing. The ego is the one that's going to get you because listen, they're paying you. If you win as a team, it's going to be good for everybody. Okay, you're getting money. Liam Hendricks knows he, they, he signed a four year deal, um, so. Technically, you should just say whatever's good for the best for the team. But I know that as a player and as a guy that comes in like Hendricks does, nothing aggravated him more than giving up the homer the other day. Sure, uh, in Kansas City, and probably if you watched him yesterday, he was as pumped up as I don't know if I think I've ever seen him. And he wasn't even doing it with fastballs. He was, throwing, he was throwing sliders, he was throwing curves and everything else like that, uh, breaking stuff yesterday and getting strikeouts and um, doing the job. But he was just huffing and puffing. It was fun watching him. Let's go to the phones. We go to the northwest side. And, Tom, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Tom.
7: Thanks, Fred. Thanks for taking my call. I uh, just was, wanted to chime in to say that the, the that ego thing, the duplication, the redundancy between Kimbrell and uh, – uh, Hendricks is going to be a problem, you know, and uh, I think uh, Han gave away the score when he gave away Madrigal because Madrigal reminds me an awful lot of somebody like a, an Ellie Fox, you know, a guy that got gets on base. I know he's raw, but I think in the long run, I think that uh, uh, this all for one year reminds me a lot of 1959-60 yep. when the White Sox gave away all their young players uh, Johnny Callison, he gave away Norm Cash.
1: Johnny Romano, away. too, I think, right?
7: Romano, uh-huh. Earl Batty. Earl yeah. Batty, we could go through the whole thing. <laughs> it's very, very much the same. You give away the store for one year because of uh, the manager you have, you know, that he's not going to be around. If he's around another year, I'll eat my
2: hat.
1: But if (laughs) he keeps running out to the the home plate, he might not be around for a while.
2: (laughs) Pull a hammy or something. I think he's here for a while. Uh, (laughs) Tom, appreciate the call,
1: and I understand what you're saying, because my dad raised me. Everybody talked about Bill Vec, and my dad used to always tell me, he goes, yeah, he goes, look and see what he did between 59 and 60, and all the guys he traded. He goes, goes, you can find all the guys he traded at All-Star teams for the next, like, five years. You know, your Norm Cash, Earl Batty, guys that were, you know, and I said, okay. So I always had that in the back of my head, so when Tom started lit it off, I knew exactly where he was but going. He,
2: but I mean, he did not do that here. You still have. I know you all. still have right. Look, I mean, the the, the roster is loaded one. with right. Roster is loaded with guys with even guys you didn't expect to be here this year, and they're not only this year. Vaughn and Sheets and all these guys. Yeah. Uh, you know they're, and they're and they
1: And he didn't. And he didn't move any of them because no, there are, that's a, lot what I'm people, right, there are a lot of people. Right. There are a lot of people. There's a lot of people that thought Kopeck or Crochet or Vaughn or even Sheets or Burgers, some one of those guys, and none of them left. They're well, all here. They're still in the organization. I,
2: I'd, I'd say you're pretty loaded still. Yeah. I, I yeah. was in the womb 59 to 60, so <laughs> I'll take your word for it.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll break it down one of these days. Uh, let's go to um, Ed. Ed, what's going on?
8: Hi. Um, I'm a Cubs fan, although I do root for the Sox, so I hope they have a great season So in terms of that. Uh, But the the main reason why the Cubs weren't good this year was the three guys that left. I mean, if you look at the stats, team wise, OBP, slugging, OPS, uh, runners left in scoring position, the Cubs were in the bottom six and seven in Major League Baseball. And um, also, it it just if and I've never seen where three guys on a contract year basically overall had a poor season. I know Brian started out well but he the last year month and a half he's been terrible. So I think the Cubs went in the season they traded Darvish and they you know they sort of stocked up their minor league and I thought they were expecting these three guys to have career years because this is their contract year. And I think that cost them at least 10 games in the standings. And I thought if they if they were like a 10 game difference that they could be buyers at the trade deadline and pick up a couple starting pitchers, and that would set them up for the rest of the season. But these three guys just did not come through with it. And then also Ian Happ. I have one quick question. Yeah. Did you know did Ian Happ have options this year? Does he
1: have any options left You mean he, going down, so go down? I'm not sure if he does or not.
2: I think the because, next option is DFA. Yeah. I, I yeah, mean, I well, do. You're not yeah.
8: going to do that. I mean, I... Uh, at the beginning of the season, and this is not as Cub fans speak, there are a lot of people that were really high on Ian Happ, and so and it wasn't Cub fan stuff.
1: No, I and, was. I thought he I, I, he played well in the second half of last year, didn't he? I mean, it was second half, which was a month. Yeah, no, yeah. I did. I mean, I a, I'm <laughs> in a month or two only,
8: occasionally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I just thought he was going to have a great year, and I just thought maybe being sent down to the minors might have. You know, got him to work on his game, and that's what I thought was a big this mistake might be on his the game.
2: I mean, the more I see him, I think this is his game. I, he you know he can get hot oh. for a month or two, but or a month every year or whatever. Yeah. But I think this is right. the guy. The other one, other thing that I
8: thought Ross, I thought Ross has done did okay, but he he should have let the uh, the starters go longer in the game. I think he really wore out his bullpen. And you notice that at near the near the last half of this part of the first half, I guess. And I just thought, and it, you know, Hendricks has gone complete games. So if he, he had left some of his starters go a little longer, and I thought the starting pitching actually did better than people expected. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I watched a game where you know the, the Cubs it was zero zero, and the the, um, the hitters hadn't gotten a hit. While the you know the starting pitching, even Mills or uh, you know uh, Ariata or who who else, it actually pitched okay and kept the team in the game, and the, the hitting never came through. Yeah,
1: and that um, happened. And that happened a couple times. That we appreciate the call. Happened a couple times. I, I, I agree with Mills and with Alzalai but not nearly enough.
2: No, um, and look, I mean, May May was obvi- obviously the aberration. Now, right? Yeah, because they were top five in pretty much every offensive category for about three weeks, and they'd been bottom five for the rest of before and after that. Right, and that's that's how you lose eleven straight and. Uh, it just when they when they traded Darvish that told you what they thought about chances of doing anything this year was right it did or but were
1: the one point he brought up though which I I kind of agreed with you you probably sat back and said okay these three guys are contract seasons They're, they're last years let's see what they do and I'm looking here Bryant's hitting two sixty seven with eighteen and fifty one you got Bias hitting two forty eight a two ninety two on base with one hundred thirty one strikeouts and eighteen errors and Rizzo at two forty eight with fourteen and forty. Um, but, you know, his on-base is 346. Actually, Brian Rizzo are getting on-base 358, 346. Not awful. But no, Brian's, Brian's
2: OPS plus is 134. It's almost his career average. Yeah. So, I mean, he's still going to be a player, not going to be an MVP-type player anymore, I don't think. Maybe he is. He's a, but the point is, uh, you know, this wasn't going to be good enough, and yet these guys, uh, is our one of our guys tweeting at us said, you can't pay mediocre... Uh, performance is like all-stars and that's that's i mean on their best days they were very good players and on their worst days they were subpar players and and they were all expecting a payday as if they had just won a World Series and they were all, you know, in the championship conversation.
1: Yeah, and they've all had subpar seasons this year. Even Brand's a little bit more. Three one two three three two three seven seven six here till noon. Don't forget White Sox baseball later on tonight. Sox looking to uh, get another victory against Cleveland. They already have a nine-game lead over the uh, Guardians. Should I say the Tribe? Can oh, I oh, say boy. that? I don't know. Uh, we'll worry about saying that next year. Right here on ESPN one thousand. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram
6: at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000.
1: (laughs) it's, It's weird that Nancy Faust played this years and years ago. And it's actually taken on, it took on a whole new life of its own after that. Now it's yeah. played everywhere. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You, hear, you hear it all the time. We'll be um,
2: hearing it out at a guaranteed rate as we get closer to playoff baseball.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And then a nice crowd. was
1: at 36,000 last night. Of course, Elvis Knight's going to bring him in. Going to pack <laughs> him in for Elvis Knight. <laughs>
2: Do they drop him from planes? I love Elvis. It's, they come. it's weird. when it, it seems like
1: for some weird reason, it rains at on the south side and nowhere else. Yes. It was raining yesterday. I'm going, what the hell? There's no rain called for. We're, it's like someone was just spitting on the, the ballpark. Um, <laughs> I mean, because I
2: looked and I said, it's not raining here. What are you talking about? See, and, and yes, sir, I thought about, you know, beloved uh, Cub teams. Yeah. But hey, hey, holy mackerel, the Cubs are on their way. Well, they were on their way yesterday to different destinations. Yeah, well, here we got that. Yeah. Dee, 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 dee.
1: Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, they're going to San Francisco today. They're going to New York today.
2: Today, yeah,
1: yeah, they're going. They're going everywhere. They're going to
2: win today, uh, just with other uniforms. Yeah, different uniforms. And um, I still remember going down to the jewel to to get that forty five. Did you? Do you? In sixty nine. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. It Every was... week that they would have a different Cubs players photo, and I would get them on a bike and go down there. I mean, for a team that didn't win anything, right? You know, oh, you know, I know. Jed called this the you know the best Cubs team in the last half century. Well, I mean, the best core group, obviously, but I mean, I don't know. Forty years from now, are they going to be hall of Fame. Ambassadors up right. in the suites? Yeah. <laughs> There's. There's Anthony Rizzo, you know, bringing in some corporate group and and sitting and telling stories for uh you know a nice check from from the Ricketts family.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know. It's, yeah, you're right. I mean, look at all the Hall of Famers around that team. It was amazing, it truly was. Let's go. Uh, I, I I
2: still I I still don't get the idea of bringing Rizzo back. I really don't. I mean, to me, I know. You know move on. You move know, my on.
4: biggest fear. He takes advantage of that short porch in right field. Yeah, has absurd power numbers. And then gets 100 million from the Cubs.
2: Well, I, I just, I don't I think. I think
1: Jet s- Jed
4: is smarter than that. I, yeah. I think so too. Yeah. But again, what what would the fan base want? The fan base would want a, a Rizzo reunion, but I, I'm with you, Hanley. I, I'm not I, I married on. to the, yeah, I, I'm in the move on camp.
2: But I mean, if I'm a season ticket holder, am I going to, if I'm thinking about not re upping next year right now, you know, because it's going to be basically a, a, a you know, triple A plus team. Right. Will Rizzo returning make me sign a five figure check to keep my four seats or three seats? Maybe. I mean, I, I, you said it. I'm, I was thinking it. It'll be interesting to see that the people really paying the piper if they're going to sit through a rebuild and pay top five MLB prices for everything at the yeah. ballpark to watch it. I yeah. don't know.
1: Yeah, and and for the old people out there, older folks, uh, not Pat Piper. You're not going to pay him. No tension. Yeah, tension. He, he got paid enough. Give him his megaphone. Uh, let's go to Homer Glenn and Mike. Mike, you're on ESPN 1000. What's happening?
6: Good morning, fellas. I'm 68 years old, and I thought that I had seen everything in baseball, but I have never seen a catching situation that is as horrid as the White Sox catching staff. You have three catchers, one probably makes $150 million a year that your pitchers don't want to throw to, that can't block a ball can't hit, you have another catcher who is supposed to be the actual number two guy, the manager has no confidence whatsoever, and then you have a guy we brought up from the minors that probably couldn't hit grade school pitching. This you cannot win when you don't have pitchers that don't want to throw to your catcher. Now, we talk about Grandel coming back. Grandel's no great shake. He's hitting a buck 85. I I
1: agree with you on that.
6: I know. I mean, there's got to be a move that's going to be made. I mean, why do you think La Russa Key's putting Zavala back there? Because the pitchers want to throw to him. They've got no faith in Collins, and they certainly have no faith in Grandau. And my other last point is I, I've never seen a team, they basically need to get a book and read it about the game of baseball as far as the acumen of the game because they just don't have it. I mean, it's they run the bases horribly. They continuously forget how many outs there are. They can't bunt, except for the kid that they got yesterday from Cleveland. I mean, there's a lot of holes on this team if you think about it.
1: Thanks for taking my vent. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to disagree with most of it. Um, I I agreed. I thought that um, Collins so was going to be better. So didn't do enough. Well, a lot of people think they they should have got a catcher. But I mean, were, were there any catchers moved out there anywhere? No. You know, uh, there, is, there is one guy, I can't even remember what team he catches for. He used to be with the Giants. Um, he's a really good defensive catcher. Um, oh, here, I wanted to get this. Patrick Nolan, who uh, works, uh, he's the editor at Sox Machine, the Sox Machine podcast. He said that Zach Collins' rankings on framing, he's 58th of 58. Now I hate, I hate framing stats. Mm. Um, blocking balls, he's 53rd out of fifty eight. And preventing steals, he's 47th of 58th. He's the worst defensive catcher in the major leagues, and only Sal Perez has been more costly uh, because he's played more games. Um, So I immediately went on to um, Patrick Nolan's um, tweet, and I asked him, I said, where exactly is um, Yosemite Grandal? And he said, he's not as bad as you think. And I said, well, that's hard for me to imagine, yeah. but the numbers will say it. Because I don't think Grandal's good at all. And I thought Collins could block it. He's uh, And the caller was right about Sebi Zavala. He can't hit. No. And, you know, the Sox have always had catchers that were good catchers and couldn't hit way back to the 80s with Chuck Brinkman, Eddie Brinkman's, um, you know, brother. He couldn't he couldn't hit at all, but he was a great catcher. Uh, he was a really good catcher. I don't know if they had framing back in those days. I know they didn't have a stat like that. But, no. um, yeah, they they could have used a catcher, um, but they didn't get one, and now they're going to have to deal with this. They they like what Yasmani Grandal does because of his framing stats and what he gets what he gets on base. He I think the last I checked he's probably the same because it hasn't changed because he's been hurt. But he was hitting 188 and his on base was 388,
2: hmm.
1: um, which is pretty bizarre. Yeah, 188 and 388. He has 60 walks and 64 strikeouts. And he does run into one once in a while. 14 homers, 38 RBIs. But, um, yeah. the what
2: you're paying him. You, you know,
1: yeah, he's supposed to do a lot more than
2: that. But, I mean, everyone celebrated the fact that he was the first guy who wanted to be a part of this, who wasn't coming through the minor league system, right? And yeah. That, that he said, I, hey, I see a winning organization. I went, so you get what you get. I mean, I you know, that Wilson Contreras is arbitration eligible at the end of the season, right? Yeah. Really interesting. You know, I assume they're going to make him a decent offer and, and if whatever the arbiter awards him, they'll give it to, I, you know, I know framing has been an issue with him, but is yeah. there any conversation between Rick and Jed about that, you know, expanding some deals?
1: Yeah. I remember the pitcher's name now, or the catcher's name now. Austin Hedges is the guy I was thinking about. He's I played that course a few times. Did you? Yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. He, yeah. um, yeah, he's only making $3.28 million, um, he, he's really a heck of a, a heck of a catcher, really good defensive catcher, and his he's he's got a minus WAR, and I think he actually plays for he played for Cleveland or is with Cleveland, so he may even be on the on the field today. He's another guy that can't hit one sixty one. It's like if you if you can ever find a catcher, that's why Contreras is so valuable, um, because he can do both. Sure, you know,
2: and and you know all the intangible stuff yeah. too, right? I mean, yeah. he gets in a pitcher's face, yeah. I know everyone says this guy for since he got here, uh, even when he was hurt, would sit in on those pitchers' meetings and, and, you know, he wanted to learn everything, right? right? I mean, he, he wanted to know the game inside and out and the staff inside and out. So you, I mean, you can't, that, that, that tells you what kind of player he is. Here's the other thing. Now the trade deadline's gone. You wait to see all the waivers. Everyone's going to be put on waivers. Everyone's yeah. going to be put on waivers. Sure. And you'll see who clears and who doesn't. And then you'll start making these, these waiver-type deals. You know, So maybe you pick up a defensive catcher for, for you know nothing in another week or two. Who knows? Yeah, they
1: may. I, I just think with, with Grandal coming back, they're just going to let him, him come back and catch. He had, he had a hard time. The last year and a half, I have not liked him behind the plate. And it doesn't seem that many of the pitchers are really fans of him. But they love no. what Sebi Zavala does. He just can't hit the ball. And, um, and
2: that's not their concern.
1: No, it's not. And, and <laughs> to be honest, to be really honest, it shouldn't be. They've no. got enough other hitters uh, that they should no, be able No, I mean, the score. pitchers don't care. The no, pitchers, pitchers don't care. Don't care. Yeah, the pitchers no. want
2: to hit that guy to maximize their effort. Right, yeah, so. and,
1: and, right, a guy that can actually get them a few extra strikes here and right.
2: there.
1: Yep. Um, we come back, we'll grab a couple more calls, we'll wrap up our polls and see what you guys all thought about the uh, trade deadline on the poll questions we put out there. Hanley and Hubner here on ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Oh, Chicago's home for sports on Twitter, at ESPN
8: 1000.
1: Hi, the 16th Fantasy Football Championship, presented by Miller Lite, coming your way at 115 Bourbon Street Saturday, August 21st. And this year, the top fantasy player, This season wins a brand-new Janus motorcycle, awesome-looking bike. Uh, Special guests include Field Yates, ESPN Fantasy Expert. You get gambling advice from the guys from the Odds Couple, Mike North and Carmen DeFalco, also a live fantasy football draft. Bears preseason viewing party as their Bears are playing a noon game that day. Tickets are on sale right now, $20 at ESPNChicagoFFC.com. The ESPN 1000 Fantasy Football Convention starts at 8 a.m. on August 21st. Live music from The Noise. Also, the sponsors. Um, Prop Swap, Hooters, Bettenhausen Automotive, and Janus Motorcycles, also 3Chi. And uh, that is coming up, and the guys are all geeked up. And uh, see where Justin Fields goes in the uh, fantasy draft this year and how long it'll take for him to get on the field. Let's go back to the phones here on ESPN 1000, wrapping things up. Let's go to uh, Brent. Brent, what's happening today?
9: Hey, good morning, Jens. How are you guys
1: doing? Doing well. Okay,
9: yeah, I just want to touch base on the on the whole club's downfall. I think ultimately it falls, you know, with the uh, ownership and uh, Theo not being on the same page all all those years. But a few things I don't hear talked about a lot is they didn't replace Fowler and Zobrist uh, when they were in their prime. I know Zobrist had two good out of two good years out of four, but they really diversified the lineup, you know, being switch hitting and getting on base and making contact. Uh, number two, losing Addison Russell uh, for you know the reasons that he you know I mean, right. Because you're losing your starting all-star shortstop and, you know, that leaves a big hole in infield. And then they had to accelerate Nico Horner. Um, and then lastly, just the Jason Hyrule contract. I mean, you know, he was making 28 million for 2017, 2018. So that really handcuffed the options they could bring in pitchers. And then, then you add in, you know, um, you Darvish's, uh, lack of performance when they signed him and then Tyler Chatwood. So. I mean, they, they can blame Ricketts all they want, but he gave uh, Theo that uh, the money to make these decisions, and it yep.
1: just didn't work out. Yeah, he did. We appreciate the call. Yeah, the the that year when he brought over when he brought over uh, Chatwood and also Darvish,
2: not the best of years
1: for no, uh, for Theo. No,
2: yeah. and then the Quintana trade. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. No, they, they look. I mean, every front office has swings and misses. Sure. And one thing about Theo and Jed when they did swing and miss, it was. Pretty noticeable, but um, they had carte blanche to do what they want. I don't know that, I mean, Brickett says Jet has carte blanche to do what he wants. I, I'm not sure that's necessarily yeah. as true as it was a few years ago.
1: It's still shocking to me that uh, there were other people interested in to spend that much money on Jason Hayward. Um,
2: I mean, that there were supposedly bigger deals out there. Yeah,
1: I know. That's it's shocking. We go to uh, Gurney and James. James, what's up? Hey, H&H. How's it going, boys? Doing well. Yeah, real quick, I just want to tip my cap to the boys that
0: left. So let's just really be honest with each other. They did not mature, especially Bias. it. They never really matured as hitters. I don't know what it was, changing hitting coaches, but that, that offense was just dead. Unfortunately, And a lot of talent, collectively, it just didn't work. So let's move on. So my biggest issue, I mean, it is what it is. Obviously, in hindsight, without the pandemic a couple of years ago, to get rid of them, you might have got more. The, the whole landscape has changed when what you're going to get. The only problem I have with the Kimbrough trade is not so much Nick. Nick's okay. I think Nick and Horner are the two of the same guys. So one's going to be expendable in my opinion. It's mm. the Cody Hoyer part that I don't like about it. I would have rather seen maybe a couple really decent prospects for him. I just think Cody Hoyer, he's around five. I, I just, I watched him a lot watching the socks. He's just, I mean, there's potential there, but that's the kind of the part that bothered me is, is not. And Rick Hahn, man, he didn't get rid of any of his top prospects. No. So that guy is just, he's just amazing. So that's, I'm not so upset. I understand. I knew this was coming. I'm not a 16 bandwagon. I'm 48. I've been watching the Cubs my whole life, correct? So I understand things. the landscape is changing really what you're going to get, but the Hoyer thing is what bothered me. I would like to see a couple prospects. Nick's okay because, again, Horner, they're yeah. the same player. So that's what I'm saying. You guys are doing a great job. What do you think? Yes. Enjoy
1: the rest of your day. Thanks, James. It's funny that that Hoyer brings in Hoyer and They spell differently. But, yeah, the Cody Hoyer from last year, everybody loves. But this year he's not been pitching that well. So we'll have to wait well, and see. Well, it's
2: interesting. Rick Hahn said with a straight face that he and Jed Hoyer really you know, battled on. Over
1: the, over those guys.
2: Throwing Hoyer in on that yeah. deal. Uh huh. I mean, I in ISU with the 5 1 2 ERA this year. You know, I'm reading some people say, well, he pitched better than the numbers. And you said, no,
1: no, no uh, thank you. No, no. no. He, 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 Him and Bummer both have a tendency of lead, leaving the first guy they face get on base. Quickly, we got a minute. Let's see if we can wrap up these polls uh, real quick. Uh, emotions aside, did Cubs president Jed Hoyer do a good job with his deadline deals? What'd they say,
4: Tyler? About 59% say yes, that they are happy with the
1: moves the Cubs made over the, the past day or two. Okay. Okay. Uh, White Sox GM Rick Hahn's deadline deals were what? Great, good, too costly, or check back in October?
4: The majority are saying great, 41.5%. That's followed by good at about 32, check back in October at 20, and too costly at
1: 6%. Okay, and the last one, who's most to blame for the Cubs dismantling? Ownership, front office slash coaches, players, or all of the above? People are most frustrated
4: with ownership, 37%. Closely followed by behind by all of the above at thirty six percent. Then players at twenty one, front office coaches at
1: five. Yeah, hmm. uh, that's enough of the hitting coaches. We got to go, Brian. <laughs> uh, See,
2: I want to shout out to angry Aldo. He tweeted the uh, W flag with TF and a question mark. Yeah, flying above. That was the good. Field. Me and Xander will be here tomorrow. We'll be
1: breaking it down for you here on ESPN One Thousand.